to Motherhood Off the Rails. I'm your host, Jolene. Today we are continuing my friend Rebecca's story. So if you haven't listened to part one of her story, make sure you go back and listen to that first before jumping into this second part. You'll need the background information and the beginning of her story to truly grasp all of the complexity that she has been through. I really hope you enjoy the continuation and part two of her story. So let's jump right in. So Nora Lee's story was full of a lot of hurdles. Jackson's story, once we decided to do embryo adoption, it was pretty smooth sailing, I'm not gonna lie to you. Like, and it was a breath of fresh air. Um, but it also caused a lot of guilt um, for me. And because, because it was so easy. Getting Nora Lee was so hard. Everything about Nora Lee's story feels very hard to me. Um, and Jackson's story is just getting there was hard, but the preg- I had an easy pregnancy. We got pregnant the very first transfer. Um, so we got to pick out, you know, the embryos we, then that's a story in itself, but we got a profile basically and got to pick out embryos. Very odd. It's very odd. There's no words for this. Shopping for your shop. Yes. Yes. It's so <laughs> weird. It's so weird. And, um, yeah, so this, this particular embryo set, there was a mom that they're called genetic parents. So it's very different because technically, biologically like I kept Jackson alive so like biologically he is mine but genetically he is not so confusing (laughs) yeah like I'm telling you the words here so he has genetic parents he also has three living genetic siblings so but his mom was um not even his genetic mom there was an egg donor she had donated her eggs like five other times paying her way through school Uh, Apparently, there's some money in that. So there you go. That's what I've heard. Um, And then she also, so then the the genetic father, it was his sperm. So these embryos were actually like involved three people. Um, And that was crazy. But the reason we picked them is because we just really felt like we wanted to be, somebody was answering our prayers. We wanted to be answering theirs. And in Mm. the letter that they had written and put in their profile, it basically said that they needed closure and this is what, they like donating their embryos for adoption was the closure that they felt God was leading them to. So we really felt like this was a family that would, um, we would be answering their prayers while they were also answering ours. Like God was kind of using our two stories together to show his faithfulness. And so that is, yeah, why we picked them. Um, and it's, it's just so odd. It's such a weird thing. Um, and then from there, like we just, it's like an IVF after that. So basically the, what I did was an in, um, in vitro okay. treatment. And I had to go, you know, do all the different hormone drugs and oh, the things, the things you have to do. I remember because you were taking those while we were in Bible study yes. and sharing with us. <laughs> y'all it's nasty um but yeah so I had to do that for a while but we did the I mean I have it on video like when they put the embryo inside of me you can like see it it's crazy um yeah so they you know we did all of that and got pregnant first try and we had five left and there's um we really feel called to make sure those five embryos have a chance at life one of my best friends from high school actually took one for us so she's currently pregnant with one of Jackson's genetic siblings. So that's been super fun. So now we have four, but Jackson was, um, said it was an easy pregnancy. And 
Um, of course, Satan used that to tempt me to feel guilty. Mm. Uh, so I think like unexpectedly, the first time I heard Jackson's heartbeat, I cried not because I was hearing his heartbeat, but because I never heard Nora's mm. inside of me. Um, and so there was just like a lot there that I had never even known I needed to grieve that I was grieving. Um, you know, when you have adopted a, a child, there's so many blessings that I get to have that other people don't be if they mm-hmm. haven't adopted. But there is this really real reality of I never got to have my daughter inside of me. Um, now, prior to Jax, I didn't even really know what I was missing. Yeah. Because I've had Jacks, there is an element now of like, oh, I've I never got that with her, and mm. um, and it is it's just I had to grieve that, and I also was still grieving the reality of a um, being able to conceive a child, um, and that was very hard, and just reconciling it all, like how come some people get pregnant no problem. And some people don't. Like, I still really struggle with that. I still yes, am like, too. why did it have to be so hard for us? And the only thing I can come back to is because that's what God said was best for us. And I have to trust in his best over what the world says is good and best. Like, his goodness and his best is so different than the world's. And I just have to trust that for us, this was what was best. This is what grew us closer to him. This is what made us understand the character of our heavenly father. Therefore it was good and it was best. Um, but I think the biggest thing that came out of my infertility story and our embryo, um, adoption is just really understanding that good and hard coexist. Things can be really, really hard and really, really good. And sometimes God's good just hurts. Yeah. And, um, and that was the story of Jack's like, it was so good. And man, if I mean, I should make Jolene put a picture of this boy in here. He is so cute. He is so cute. And he's so <laughs> full of life. I mean, both my kids are just joy. Like, they're little joy bombs. Um, and they make life so fun. And they are this these blessings upon blessings. I mean, I literally stare at my kids every day and I'm reminded of God's faithfulness and his goodness and his love. And how his love is so, like, for me. And... Um, And I get that reminder every day in my kids. But I also know, like, my friends that haven't had these struggles, their kids are just as much of a reminder of God's faithfulness. And that's that's what we have to carry in all this is, like, we're sitting there trying to mourn and grieve and reconcile our own stories. And it isn't – we don't want to fall so on the extreme of, like, well, I went through this, so this makes me closer to God than Mm -hmm. everyone else. Mm -hmm. That's not true. Like – my sister, who had no problem getting pregnant, her kids are still a picture of God's faithfulness. Yes. And they still grow her closer to him. There is not some, we have to be very careful with our pride in that. And that's something else I really had to take away, you know, because a lot of people, you know, a lot of people like say a lot of things, Jolene. This is yet another <laughs> theme. I kid you not, this comes up. Every, in well, but, every yes. single episode, the things people say that just to do a montage off. of just yes. the things people say, the things people say. So let let's let that lead us into yeah. the triggers yeah. that you experience, because no matter yeah. 
your loss or if you had a rainbow baby, if your adoption mm-hmm, was successful, mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm. always going to be triggers down the road that come up and just trip you up. And there might be some that just never bothered you at all. So why don't you share those with us? Yes. Uh, the things people <laughs> say, uh, I think for me, I, I wish it wasn't. I really wish I've gotten to a place where this was no longer a trigger. But it still is when people get pregnant, like within the first couple months of trying. Mm-hmm. Um, it just really, it's hard for me. I have to walk away. I have to pray. I have to ask God to, sh- to help me um, and show me joy, to help me have joy. Um, I'm thankful that like with my, one of my dearest friends, like when she first told me she was pregnant, I was nothing but like elated and um, over the, and I was really nervous about that. I was really nervous that like, oh gosh, when she tells me like, I'm just gonna be so focused on myself and this is not gonna be good and I need to be selfless and sacrifice my feelings for hers because this is super exciting. And God answered all of those prayers. But there are definitely times where people will bring up um, a pregnancy that just happened very quickly with no problems and it's a little, it's hard for me. Yeah. Um, and it just, I just sit there and I'm like, okay, God, but like, how come that's not my story? Yeah. And that's because I'm still undoing the expectations of the world in my mind of how the world says you're supposed to grow a family. Mm-hmm. Um, and recognizing that like, that's just not our story. That wasn't what we were supposed to go through. That, that wasn't what was best for us. And I mean, everybody has something. Everyone struggles with something. For us, it was like these were our these were the struggles with our family. But you're not going to meet somebody that doesn't have some kind of story of heartache um, in growing their family, in parenting, in marriage. And so it's also just learning to look for the good has been helpful. Um, when I start getting really down about our situation, of just like, but where's the good? There's mm-hmm. always good. Look for the good. Um, but I have had people tell me like crazy things that have sent me over the edge. I think the craziest thing I've ever heard was pregnant with Jax. I really think this woman of, was of trying to be of good intentions, and I give her grace that maybe they she was just tripping, <laughs> tripping over her words a little bit. But she literally said to me, yeah, don't worry, honey. Your miracle is still coming. Oh, my goodness. As if my children that I had already had were not miracles. <laughs> um, and it's just like, I was mad. I was like, I can't believe she just said that. <laughs> um, and I, I've given, I've given grace, but you know, people, my mom always tells me, Rebecca, people don't know what they don't know. And when they don't know something, they think they know something, they say something stupid. <laughs> and it's just so true. It is. People just, and so I really try to watch myself when it's like, I don't know anything about, like, I don't know anything about having a miscarriage. I have no idea what that feels like. So I don't try to say things because I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know those things. And I probably should just keep my mouth shut and just love on them and pray for them. But I don't need to be trying to give any kind of advice in that situation. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think another thing um, people have said that just as hard is when um when we were adopting especially people would say oh you just wait you're gonna adopt and then you're gonna get pregnant oh yes and the age old yeah theory and i'm like that might happen and that might not Mm -hmm. and like i have friends that that did happen for or i have friends that were getting ready to like consider you know 
doing different things to get pregnant and then they got pregnant Mm -hmm. and like those stories do exist and they are stories that yes let's praise the lord for those stories but do not put someone else's story on someone else like don't do that like Mm -hmm. that you don't know what their story is going to be and they already feel a lot of pressure and are trying to release control and by you putting someone's story on them you're just like you are taking away from them trying to release that control and giving their story to God. You're basically just like cultivating another story that they're now trying, like, okay, do I need to grasp onto that? So when we had Norley and then a few months later, I didn't get pregnant, which the funny thing is we weren't even like, we weren't even trying to get pregnant with Norley. (laughs) Um, So, you know, when that happened, it, it did set me up to expect to get pregnant when I wasn't even like Mm -hmm. trying to get pregnant. Like, like, so people had really, like, multiple people said that to me. And it really, like, planted it in my brain. Whether you were trying to or not. Yeah, and yeah, I was like, yeah. I wasn't even trying. And then, the, the you know, I'm sure you've heard this one. Like, just relax. It'll happen. Oh so when we were going through infertility, <laughs> so people would say that. I'd be like, I am relaxed. You're not. I'm trying my best to be relaxed. Like, you go through this and try to be relaxed. It's not easy. Like, Don't I look relaxed? Like, I'm so, like, <laughs> relaxed. I'm like, how I can't relax right now. Like, this is really hard. And also, I have known so many people who were not relaxed and still got pregnant. So riddle me that, you know, like, why do I have to be relaxed, but they don't have to be relaxed. And so I think, again, people just say stuff, they are trying to be encouraging and you have to to give them grace, but they are, um, they're well-intended and um, often stupid. Yep. Uh, that is the perfect bow that's so, on, on the end of that, that so yes. many women are going to be like, yes, I could not agree more. Um, and these stories were, to put it lightly, emotional roller coasters. Yeah. And there were so many people, to continue with the, mm-hmm. um, out, uh, what's the word I want, the analogy, mm-hmm. There were so many people riding this roller coaster with you. Mm-hmm. And so how did these stories and what they put you through affect your relationships with friends, family, husband? Yeah. You know, honestly, I think I was pretty fortunate during our stories, both stories, really. Like, I feel like that only grew my relationships stronger with the people mm-hmm. that I was close to. There were definitely people who didn't understand and people... Um, you know, like somebody told my best friend one time, like, are they really so desperate that they have to do an embryo adoption to have a kid? You know, and like it was someone that I don't know who it was, but definitely was someone that knew me. So like there were people that I think were confused. Um, embryo adoption was the weird one. Like that one threw people for a loop. Um, because it's not common and people are like, what are you doing? And why are you doing it? And you know, with Nora Lee, I think people, there was a little bit of, there's some family members of just like, well, why don't you just try to have your own kid? And I was like, well, first of all, she is our child. Um, second of all, like we feel called to do this is what we God asked us to do. So, you know, with those relationships, I think God would just, he made it very clear who was in it with us and who just, they didn't need to be, um, I learned a lot about like who needs to know the, the deepest parts of me. Um, and really just learned in that season. There are some people that just don't, like they just need surface level. Um, and that's okay. And I don't need to be vulnerable to everybody and I don't need to let everybody in. Yep. 
and really learn like who that intimate circle was, the people I could trust with information, the people I could be really raw with, the people I could, who I could say like, this sucks. Actually, this is awful and it's not fair. And how come everyone else gets to have this and, and we don't and I don't? And like, I know that's prideful and I know that's selfish, but you've got to get it out. You got to tell people because that's yeah. how you're feeling. Um, and, and so I needed those people in my life and God was so good to and kind to give those people to me. Um, I feel like it grew our marriage. I know for a lot of people, that's not their story. Mm-hmm. Um, for my husband and I, it most definitely was. It brought about an intimacy um, between us that was just so, so sweet. Um, and I'm very thankful for our seasons of that. Of just like we needed each other in just such new ways and the dependency that was cultivated um, and how much it, like it also just together we grew closer to God. Um, and just there's like a, a rhythm there now that's just, it was cultivated then and it's like it's still there Mm -hmm. so like as things come up it's like God just really sowed some stuff in those seasons of our marriage where it's like we just have this rhythm um that's Mm. really sweet and um and we both experienced something hard together and that um you know only really he can understand what we went through and even and he'll be honest there's parts of it that are hard for me that aren't hard for him mm-hmm. like he doesn't mm-hmm. understand like the desire to like the whole thing that's really hard is like my body was designed to do something that it can't do yes um and for him like there's a little bit of that but not quite the same level um so but mainly like yeah I'm very fortunate with the relationship aspect um you know there were definitely I think my mom struggled just for the heartache that I was going through and that she couldn't fix it. But like it didn't hinder our relationship. Um, I could definitely see, especially like when we were first trying, like when we were going through infertility and we didn't have answers, I could just see she wanted to fix it so bad. As um, any mom would. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when we finally found out everything, she was just left with like, okay, like, so what does this mean? Like, who, who in the family, you know, like, why do you have this genetic, this rare genetic thing? And where did it come from? As if like, you know, she's trying to like, just reach for anything to try to connect dots as, I mean, we all are. So yeah, I mean, I think in a lot of ways it was cool to walk it with my, you know, my, my family, they were, they were in it with us and they had no choice. Families have no choice. Um, (laughs) they walk it with, or, I mean, I guess they do, but like, they don't, they really don't if they are, if you're really, really close to them. And it's like my family, Patrick's family, like they just had to gear up. Like this is what we were doing. And if they wanted to be a part of it, like they just had to be all in on it. And they were, and you know, they were so supportive, but I don't, I don't act like it wasn't hard for them. It was absolutely, especially Patrick's mom. I think, um, her having to learn that, oh, not only did he have to go through cancer twice, but now this, um, and you know, in the season that we found out that information, we also found out his mom had breast cancer. Um, and so we were, you know, we find out this stuff, find out that, um, Brenda was going to go through, I mean, um, just like the radiation and chemo mm-hmm. and all of that. And thankfully she is good now, all good. But so it was just, yeah, we had a lot of, that was hard. I think a lot of hard things 
there for our families um, to process too and just having grace for them while they process. My sister, you know, in learning that I had this genetic disorder, she had to go see if she had it and she does. Um, Mm. So my niece and nephew should not be here. They should not, like that is what the doctors say. Like uh, Liliana and Sawyer are miracles. Like my sister should not have been able to conceive. Um, Everything was against her. To have those babies. Mm, and, and she didn't even know She it. had no idea. And now we do. Yes. Um, and so, you know, my sister has had to kind of walk that post becoming a mom of like, okay, now her body is going through. Well, and then just like her body was already going through all the things mm-hmm. my body was going through. But she had no reason for alarm. She got pregnant. Yes. So she didn't, there's no like alarms going off. Where mm-hmm. for me, it was like, okay, all these weird things are happening and I'm not getting pregnant. So we probably need to figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, and the truth is, like, I didn't share this part, but getting pregnant also for me was a very dangerous thing. Like, they told me, like, if you were to get pregnant, it could result in some really dangerous scenarios. So Patrick was, like, my perfect match. Mm. Um, because I could have. It would have been very rare, but not impossible. Obviously, my sister yeah. was able to. Um, but it could have been a very dangerous situation had it had happened. And so just the kindness of God, even in that, of like mm. Patrick is the perfect match in that situation um, and the blessing of that. Um, so, yeah, there's all kinds of little nuggets like that in there. <laughs> I love all these nuggets. And it's, it's hard for us to condense such a huge story yes. into <laughs> this little bit. But we're, we're doing our best. Um, what would you say through all of this and you can share multiple Mm -hmm. parts was the most difficult maybe that surprised you you weren't expecting it to be the most difficult part I think truly the ease of my pregnancy was the most difficult emotional Mm. part for me um my husband says this about he's like Rebecca you always expect things to be hard and then when they're good you kind of freak out um (laughs) and that's true like I'm always gearing up for the hard and and that's a really great thing about my personality because I tend to be able to do hard pretty well Mm -hmm. like I can endure um I'm very much like get your armor of God on and let's do this (laughs) and um everything about the embryo adoption once that was what we decided to do was easy like I said um I think the most unexpected thing for me was how much guilt I had um for not being able to do for Jack not being able to do for Norley what I was able to do for Jack's Mm. um and just this you know the sweetness of him being inside of me um and there is a little bit like you don't have control but a fake sense of it yes a false sense a false sense of control and that that existed there and so just like kind of you know there was a moment when Nora Lee I was pregnant and she said so did I grow inside your tummy Mm. and I was like no honey you didn't and she said she's like oh you know well who's Oh, I said, no, honey, you didn't. You grew inside somebody else's belly. And she went, what? <laughs> how, how old was she at She this was point? like three. Uh, I was like, I mean, 
fun. She's Patrick's like over there trying not to laugh. Norley's in shock, and I'm like have tears running down my face, like oh trying my to hold that. So like all the emotions are in just existing. And you know, I just said like you know you there's somebody that um, you grew in somebody else's belly, and then she really felt like that we were supposed to be your mommy and daddy. Um, and God just led us together and that's how we became a family. But she's just still in shock over the growing of somebody else. She didn't even catch any of this, like me trying to have this like sweet moment of explaining and, and I, yeah. Typical three-year-old. Yeah. She's so very she's literal. just like very literal. And so she knows, and you know, a lot of those kind of conversations were birthed out of Jackson being in my belly. Mm. Um, Norley knows she's adopted and, um, all of that. And I don't think she... It hasn't sunk in, you know, yes. what that all means. But she knows. And Jax knows, too. Um, in his little in way. In his little way. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so, like, there were – it was – that just threw me off. Like, it threw me off how much, like, guilt, how hard it was for me to, um, to you know, hear those – hear the heartbeat, feel him mm. kick, be so overjoyed to have that and to know that I – didn't have that with Norley and mm. it was grieving something I never knew I had to grieve um and and it's and that's again it's where good and hard collide like yeah. Norley we have so many things that other people don't have with her um and she's such a blessing to not just our lives but to anyone who knows her that child is just joy and kindness and love and to be her mom, like, oh my gosh, like that God picked me. Like, I just, I can't show enough gratitude to my father um, that he let me be her mom. Mm. Um, but it, it is hard. It's hard to know that there is this element of motherhood that I just, I can't get with her. There's nothing I can do to have that. Mm. Um, and you can't explain it. And people want to just say, I'm sure some people are like, well, just get over it. That's not that big of a deal. And I didn't think it was a big deal until I had Jackson. Mm. And it was such a big deal to feel him kick and to know he was there. Um, that it like, just, like I said, it gave me things to grieve. I didn't know I needed to grieve. Yeah. So mm. that was the unexpected hard, I would say. Yeah. You mm-hmm. definitely didn't see it coming. Um, so it's been, let's see, how old is Nora Lee now? She's five and a half. She will, that half matters a lot. (laughs) So it's been about six years that you've walked Mm -hmm. through this. Um, and again, another question we kind of ask everybody, um, it's been six years. You're kind of separated from it in a way. Um, Mm -hmm. on a scale of one to 10, kind of emotionally, you know, where are you now? Would you say? With Nora? Or with both. With both. Just in general, where are you now in motherhood? Like emotional with motherhood. You know, motherhood is such an interesting thing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It is. Again, just like it's wonderfully hard. Yes. Um, But I mean, emotionally, especially with like adoption and the story we lived with Norley. I mean, I'm like a 10. Like I, I mean, I love sharing our story. I love talking about our story. I love telling Norley the sweetness and the Mm -hmm. kindness that God um, you know, cultivated within her story and her beginnings. And so there, with that one, like there's a lot of confidence, a lot of, there's a lot of ways to talk about adoption. There are a lot of books out there that help you talk about adoption. Yes. With Jackson's, I don't really want to like give it a number, maybe like a five. <laughs> I mean, obviously so, so thankful yes, yes. for the story that we lived, but 
I don't, there's not a lot of books that help you. There's none actually. There's not one. <laughs> um, I've looked, there's not one resource out there that helps you talk about embryo adoption because it's so new. Yeah. Um, and like we've started talking about like, okay, how do we want to share it with him? Cause we had to share with Nora, um, because Jackson's having another genetic sibling mm-hmm, my friends mm-hmm. having. So like we wanted to share with her what that meant. We're, cause obviously we're going to be very connected to this family. Yeah. We want both our kids to be able to have a relationship and they're already close to us, but there's just like an, mm-hmm. we're going to try to be a lot more intentionally close and so we've had to try to come up with ways of like, okay, so there's a seed that God puts inside a mommy and, um, you know, then he grows that seed yeah. and this is how God can like start families or grow families. And I'm telling her all this. Her and I don't wheels even, Yeah. Just... We videotaped it because I was like, I mean, I guess we should videotape this. This is a pretty big deal. <laughs> and I'm telling her, I don't even remember what I said. It was something about a baby seed. And being in a mommy. And I'd worked on it. I'd, like, practiced. And she just giggles. I mean, just giggles the whole time. And I'm, like, trying to be so serious. And Patrick is, like, dying laughing. Because it's, like, she just, she decided this was hilarious. And I think it's because it was so serious. She didn't even know how to process it. So mm-hmm. she just started laughing. And by the end of it, I was, like, I don't think. I don't think she got it. Like, I don't think, but honestly, I don't think I got it. Like, I don't even think (laughs) I'm there yet of how to explain this and what it means. And my friend and I would just keep saying like, you know, we're just going to figure this out as we go. Like we had to go through, um, they make you go through with embryo adoption and adoption. You have to do psychoanalysis. They are super intense. And at least ours were, I don't know. Some people's aren't. And then with this specific embryo adoption, so we had to do, I so I had to do a psychoanalysis. Patrick had to do a psychoanalysis. We had to do a couple psychoanalysis, and then we all four have to come together. Oh my god! And do so a psychoanalysis, and you know the ladies like asking us, so how do you plan on telling the kids? What's your future? Like all these questions, and we're just kind of like, I mean, do you have any ideas? Because we're <laughs> at a loss here. Like we're we're That's- just impossible yeah so I mean she was really nice and she's actually the one that gave us the idea of the baby seed Um, (laughs) because we were like what do we do so maybe one day I'll write a book and explain embryo adoption but I'm still processing I mean Jackson's not even two um I think still processing a lot of just not like the pregnancy and that but this Mm -hmm. like the embryo adoption and what that means and how we'll tell him and you know his story is really different like his genetic parents there's there wasn't a bad situation necessarily like they couldn't have kids like that's they were having a hard time having kids and that's what led them to having extra embryos um but like their situation was not bad like Mm -hmm. they were they were yeah. fine. Like they're, mm-hmm. they had jobs. They had, they, it's just hard to explain. Like it's, they're, where Nora Lee's, her, her birth mom was in a very, very difficult situation. A situation where being a mother was just, it wasn't going to be a reality that she could live. And, and so, you know, it's a little, it's hard. Like that's hard to tell Nora Lee. Um, but at least there's like words for it. Yes. With Jax, it's like, um. I mean, <laughs> you were frozen in time. Actually, you're older than your sister. Fun fact. Um, and like, it's just like, oh my goodness. you know, he's a boy. So maybe, 
Maybe, maybe he won't care. Maybe it won't matter as much. I don't know. I feel like it will. Like, everyone wants to know their beginnings. I yes. feel like it's such a... And so, I think God will give us the words when the words need to be there. He's always been so faithful to do that with Nora. So, when Jax needs that, I know he'll be faithful again. But I, as far as, like, what happened to us, I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Not real sure. I mean, I got pregnant and I had a baby. And he's really great. And that's the amazing thing about motherhood is... It's just continual. Like you never put a bow on the end because then once your kids move out, you're still their mom. But then like, yeah. So that's the beautiful thing about each one of these stories. There's never really an end to them. They just look maybe a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Um, So through all of this huge journey that I'm so thankful that you shared, I, you've shared it a ton of times, I know, yes, but, love sharing. <laughs> but I know it's not easy mm-hmm. to bring up those emotions again. So first of all, thank you for absolutely, sharing. Absolutely. I really, really appreciate it. Um, and I know that there might not be somebody that's like, yes, that was my exact story, mm-hmm. but I do know we're going to have some other adoption stories on mm-hmm. here. Um, and others that might be considering that. Mm-hmm. So through this journey, what resources mm-hmm. did you find helpful through the ups and downs? Um, yeah, so this is going to sound like super Sunday school, but <laughs> the Bible, like I know, yeah. I actually, during this season of my life, there was no resource that I could actually focus on beyond God's word. And I think it's because I just needed his word. I didn't need anything else. Um, I didn't need commentary. I didn't need books or other people's opinions. I just needed who is God and who did he make me to be and how does that change how I live my life? And so it was just reading his word constantly. Um, And that was like the thing that I clung to through all of it. And I'm still in a season of a lot of that of just, I used to be a person that would fly through books. I mean, Beth Moore, she got a new Bible study. I was reading it. Um, Lisa Turkers got a new book out. I'm on it. And just during really these past five years, it's been saying like, I... I would, I want that. Like I want to pick up those studies and, um, do a Jen Wilkin, you know, like I want to do that, but I'm every time I go to do it, I feel like God's like, not yet. Um, and I don't know why, but I think it's like for maybe because I care so much about what other people think and really I need, I just need to be in a season with motherhood where like only his, his voice matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there'll be a season, and there are times where, like, God's asked me to read a book or something. Um, but there'll be seasons, I'm sure, again, where I'll come back to that. But right now, it's just that, and it's been that for a pretty long time. And I used to be really embarrassed to tell people that. Because it's like, oh, here I am leading a women's Bible study. I write Bible studies, you know? <laughs> like, and I would like people to use them. <laughs> um, and I'm like, yeah, just read the Bible. Uh, but it's like, it's it's our, it's the best book we can read. Um, it has all the answers that we need and so much more because it's alive and it's active um, and the Holy Spirit moves through it. And then, I mean, the other big things, community, do not isolate yourself. Do not be afraid to tell people the raw, like just what is real and raw. Make sure they're safe people. How do you know someone's Mm -hmm. safe? They, they aren't trying. I mean, honestly, a safe person is just someone that sits in it with you, not someone that's trying to fix it or even make you feel better. They're just like, yeah, that sucks. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to carry this with you and I'm going to pray alongside of you. I'm going to be there for you on the hard days. I'm going to celebrate the good days. Um, So have your safe people 
tell them what's going on, be real with them, have community, ask for help. Um, but community was my big one. Um, I was in a season where I just really started learning about what it means to have community when we adopted and God just like supplied it in abundance. Um, like I said, I came home to a fully stocked, decorated nursery. It was cute too. Um, and I didn't have to do any of it. (laughs) So that's like the community that we had in that season of our life. And we had to fundraise for Nora Lee and we didn't, I mean, we only paid I mean, I'll be real. Norley's adoption was over like forty thousand dollars. Oh my gosh! Um, and we were able to fundraise like thirty of it. So um, that's amazing. That was a huge blessing and just a testament to community and the people that God had put in our lives. And um, and then counseling is my other big resource. Just don't. Um, what's the phrase the youngins are saying? Don't sleep on it. Like, don't sleep on counseling. You're asking the wrong person Um, (laughs) about the youngins. But don't. Like, if you are struggling and you are in your head, find a counselor. If you live in the Central Kentucky area, reach out to Lane of Roses. We have affordable, accessible counseling. I can attest to the (laughs) fact that it does work and it's amazing. It's great. (laughs) Um, I had to go, especially with Norley. I did also go a little bit when I was pregnant with Jax. Um, But I had to go a lot when we were going through our season of adoption with Nora Lee. And, um, you know, it was, even if, even if pregnancy hasn't been a struggle, becoming a mom is hard. Mm-hmm. Motherhood is hard. And I think that's the thing about Nora Lee that I always like, I come back to a lot of like, man, with Jackson, things have just felt so much easier. Well, it's because I've done a lot of this stuff before. Like, he's my second. (laughs) And with Norley, everything was new. And sometimes I look at her, I'm like, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. You're kind of like our guinea pig. Yes. Like, we're just like figuring it all out with you. And, um, you know, I was, I had PTSD from everything we went through. Nobody talks about that with adoption that you might have, you know, we call it postpartum depression. Um, Obviously with adoption, I wasn't, there wasn't like hormone changes necessarily, but I had experienced something really, really hard and I had PTSD and, Mm. um, so I needed some good counseling to help me process all of that. And, um, so yeah, counseling, like don't sleep on counseling. It's great. (laughs) Make the phone call and take care of yourself. Your kids need you to take care of yourself. Like, a sane mom is va- is very valuable to them, okay? So you've yes. got to invest in um, your well-being and your spiritual walk with the Lord. Um, and out of o- overflow of your intimate personal relationship with God, you will be the mom that he has created you to be for the kids that he has given you. Mm-hmm. And so you just, you have to take care of yourself. And counseling is a great way to do that. I could not agree more. And I wanted to reference back to mm-hmm. the resources that you mentioned. Um, and I'm going to ask a question that's not on the sheet. So feel free to just right. add it away. It's okay. <laughs> I've gone rogue most of the time. <laughs> um, and, and the reason I'm asking this is because it has come up in multiple episodes. Mm-hmm. After mm-hmm. miscarriage or whatever, there are so many women, and I'm including myself, mm-hmm. that couldn't immediately jump into scripture because mm-hmm. there was that element of I thought this is what God had planned for me mm-hmm. so what would you say to a woman who can't even find the words to pray can't even mm-hmm. find the strength to crack open their bible because there is just they're way 
down by so much loss and this Mm -hmm. thought that even if we take a second to think about it, it might be illogical, but we just can't shake the feeling that we feel like God has failed us. Yeah. So what would you say to a woman in that situation? Hmm. That's really hard. I've definitely been in that situation. Um, I think you might not like this. (laughs) Go for it. I'm going to tell you just open your Bible anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, And... Just go to what you know. Pick the verse that you memorized when you were little and just read it. And sit there and cry with God. Find your space where you feel like for me, I feel most connected to God when I'm going on a walk. Mm. Go on a walk. I went on a lot of walks when I was going through infertility. Um, there'd be a lot of days where I would just tell my husband, like, I got to go. I got to go on a walk. <laughs> um, and just get away. There's that scripture in the Bible, it talks about just getting away with God. Um, he says, come to me. Like, do you feel worn out? Do you feel mm. it's that feeling you're talking mm-hmm. about? Get away with me. Come to me. I will show you a real rest. That's what that's what God says in his word. Um, I think it's Matthew 11. I will show you a real rest. And so you just have, even when you don't want to, do it anyways. Yeah. Like, choose yeah. it anyways. Choose him Anyways, he doesn't, he can handle it. The other day, we're, like I said, we are in a season of absolute chaos. And some things have not gone the way that I've planned and and the way that I thought God had planned Mm -hmm. in particular. And so I, I was really mad and I was holding it all in. And then one day I just realized like, I can just tell God I'm mad. (laughs) Yes. Like he can totally handle that. And so I did. I just said, you know, God, I'm really mad. I'm really mad at you. Mm. And I'm really confused. And I feel like you've asked us to do this. And here we are once again doing something you've asked us to do. And it is just not going the way that you said it would. Um, (laughs) Or the way I thought you said it would. And just being really upset. And in him, I mean, in that moment, I felt his voice just saying like, have I not been faithful? Wow. I'm like, you have. You have always been faithful. Um, and so I think just letting God have your raw, like there's an intimacy there that he wants. Like he stands at our door and knocks. That's what Revelation says. And he just asks us to open it. He doesn't ask us to have it all together or to have answers or to be excited about him even being there. He just says, well, you open the door. Mm-hmm. And so just open it and just allow yourself to fall apart with him. Don't. Don't force yourself to um, have the right scripture, to read the right things, but don't, that's what Satan wants. He wants you to isolate yourself from God. He wants you to not open that Bible, to not choose God, but to instead run very, very far away from him. Um, And so I'm just going to tell you to do the hard thing and run really, really close as fast as you can, because he is the only one that can actually help you. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and point you in the direction that, um, that is best. So. Thank you for that. Um, and I'll add in, cause I'm a, I, I like the black and white and practical. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'll add in like my practical step when I was struggling with this is I, I went to Google and I literally said Bible verses yes. for when you are struggling with whatever, because yeah. I memorized a bunch of scripture when I was a kid. Do I remember it all? No. So I have to go back to Google sometimes. So there's a little practical bit yes. for those of us who have... coordinates is yes. great. Hit the back of that. But like John 3.16, you know, if that's all you got... Just start there. Just start there. I mean, literally when I was in labor, somebody told me like, you know, when you're in labor, just to repeat scripture. I could not remember one stitch. But you know what I could remember? 
that song that's like, he is good. Yeah, that I can't sing. You know what I'm yep. talking about? Uh-huh, uh-huh. I just sang that over and over again. Yeah. I was like, well, that's true. Yep. I don't, I'm sure it's in the Bible somewhere. <laughs> so yeah, just like, go to what you know and rest in that. Yeah. Um, and so they, many people have said songs too, have really yeah, helped them. Songs. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a singer, but that is just what, um, in labor when I was in a lot of pain. I would just uh, sing that because I couldn't remember any scripture. I'm like, how do people remember scripture in this band? But people said that that's what they do. I need to write. If I ever am in labor again, I will just write it down next There you time. go. Just yeah. on a piece of paper in front mm-hmm. of you. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Rebecca. Um, again, this has been so much fun despite the closeness you guys should oh, see yes. us we're like Same. in each other's noses <laughs> to make this work there was a chainsaw in the background hopefully you guys didn't hear that yes yes there was they're cutting <laughs> up a tree i think <laughs> but as we close um thank you again for sharing mm-hmm. and are you comfortable with other people reaching out yes. to like talk to you mm-hmm. and get ideas from you where can they reach you so Instagram is always your best bet at Rebecca. I think it's at Rebecca underscore Perryman. Pretty sure there's an we'll underscore. We'll put it in there. the show notes. Yes. Yeah. Um, but you can just reach out there. And I truly am so happy to just talk with people about our story, answer any questions. A lot of people lately have been um, reaching out to me on Instagram about embryo adoption in particular. Um, I can't promise I always have all the answers, but I will always try to point you to people who have more answers than I do. Great. And we'll also put Lane of Roses in the show notes because that has been a huge resource for me through my various seasons. And it's just an amazing women's ministry for women all across the spectrum. Um, and they are just a great place that reminds you of the purpose that God has in your life. So, well, thank you. I think that about wraps it up. Right. And we squished both your stories into one. And it was great. So thank you. Thank you.